man in uniform pull me over. And uh, I'm doing this gulp. How fast was I going? And uh, it was a 50 zone. I knew it was a 50 zone. And I said to the officer, how fast was I going? He said, 59. That's breaking the law. It is. And I know at those times you go, oh, I was just over. <laughs> Poor me. Stupid law. Why was the policeman there? It's all about revenue. No, <laughs> I broke the law. True? True. I broke the law. Didn't matter what I said, I broke the law. And I'm glad there's laws on our road. If you've been to India or China or these other, be grateful that you get pulled over for doing 59 in a 50 zone. <laughs> the end of the story was when he looked up my record. Because I'm nearly dying. <laughs> How much is this going to be? No, he said, it's a warning. My hard question that you asked was, what is the relevance of the Old Testament law? And I could actually ask you, what is the relevance of every road safety law in Tasmania? Keep you safe? What else? Basically, it's about taking care of your neighbour, looking after yourself, making sure that the environment's okay. Is that all right? Yeah. If you go behind the laws, you'll find that lots of them are expressed pretty well in the Old Testament. Anyhow, my hard question is, what is the relevance of the Old Testament law? I'm glad I'm not asking, will my pets be there? <laughs> uh, though I do have an answer, but that's for another day. To answer this question, what is the law in the Old Testament, I have to look at that little word, law, law. And uh, the law in the Old Testament is actually the Hebrew word, Torah. And unfortunately for us, the word is used for many things, okay? First of all, it's used for the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments? You know where they are? In the Old Testament twice. Uh, Torah is used for all of the commandments in the Old Testament, plus all of the teachings of the teachers of the legal system or Hebrew or Jewish teaching. So that's pretty wide, isn't it? But the most common use for the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Our Bible. When was the last time you read the first five books? Fortunately, I can say this year. <laughs> uh, not always, but this year. The first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they are called the Torah. And so when the word law is used, we have to be very, very careful what we are talking about. Because mostly in the New Testament, what they were talking about was the legalism associated with the law. Got that? Legalism associated with the law. You know, that lovely policeman, 
could have been very legalistic. Couldn't he? And he could have said $150. I don't know how much it is, fortunately. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't. There was grace there. There was mercy and a warning. So I want you to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to go through a little bit of the law today, talking about it, talking about the Old Testament, talking about the New Testament, what on earth it means to say that we're under grace, not under law, all that kind of stuff. And I've only got half an hour, so we'll try and get there, okay? First of all, I want to say that the five books, which are commonly known as the books of the law, Torah, have the Ten Commandments in twice, and if you look at them, there's a little bit of difference. So that is a little bit of a wake-up call to start with. I don't even know if you've ever noticed the difference, but anyhow, there are 613 laws there are also narratives, story, and poetry, and that's all called law. You got that? So when we come to the law, it's usually associated with covenant, because covenants are actually in the book of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? Covenant. Now, we have to understand that covenant simply means an agreement between you and me. It's an agreement. But it also lists what we're going to do in that agreement, what we won't do and what we will do. Now, I'm told mar marriage is a covenant. And you say, in the old-fashioned way, for better, for worse, for sick, in sickness, whatever, in health. And it's not four wives and four of these. It's in these circumstances, okay? They're the kinds of statements you are saying to each other. That's a covenant. You're agreeing. I know we take it very lightly these days. But that's what covenants, that's what happens to covenants. God didn't ever take his part in a way that wasn't serious. He was dead honest. And that's why you get words like, he's faithful. That's why you get words like, he's steadfast and brokenhearted because we, the people, break the covenant. Okay? So covenant's crucial to understanding. Let me look at four things that are crucial to understanding the law in the Old Testament and probably anywhere. Crucial to understanding it. First of all, the narrative sets up the storyline. You've got that? The narrative sets up the storyline. You've got a story, I've got a story, Australia's got a story. The narrative sets it out. And even when you go to the Ten Commandments, the very first verse or the prologue, the beginning of it, reiterates the whole of the story with just these simple words. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of slavery. That's who I am, says God. Read all about me in Genesis and Exodus and you will find that I am the God who showed you grace, was merciful, who kept my part of the covenant and promise given to Abraham, and I brought you out of slavery. Remember when we did the kingdom series, we said a king rescues, and a king sets a will. 
a way to live. So the first thing we've got to know is that the narrative sets up the storyline. And secondly, that God gives the will to his people there. Sorry, the second thing, the narrative sets up the storyline. In the storyline, we've got a rescuer and one who sets up his will. He's going to govern us. Well, the second thing is, if you read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and can actually persevere, because we're not very committed to that one, if you can go there, you'll find there's all kinds of laws and collections. And there's a variety of law, many, many connections. There's some laws that are conditional. It says, if you do that, then that will happen. You've read some of those? If you obey me, says the Lord, I will bless you in the barn, in the city, in your household, everywhere. I will bless you. If you don't obey me, I will curse you. So you've got the if and then, the conditional. But then you've got the absolute ones. You shall or you shall not. You shall not worship any other God before me. That's no negotiation. That's just who God is in this side of the covenant. That's who he is. They're absolute ones. Then you've got collections. You've got priestly laws, Deuteronomic laws. You've got Levitical laws. Laws for sacrifices for the priests. Laws for sacrifice for the people. Laws for the poor. Laws for the rich. Laws for war. Laws for everything. But hasn't Australia got that? Got laws how to be citizens? So you've got citizenship laws, okay? This is how you are to live. And you've got, this is how you're to behave if you're a priest or a Levite or a leader or a prophet. It's all there in the scriptures. So we've got a variety, many collections, and then we've got 10 that were given by God. Just 10 that were given by God to Moses, and then for the rest of the time, from then till now, they've been trying to work out how on earth do we live out these laws? What does it really mean to look out for my neighbour? Now, we need to remember that these laws were actually given in the wilderness, these ten, but they had to be lived out in settlement. So you've got strange ones. You might think they're strange. One of them says, when you build your houses, which had flat roofs, it says, put a fence around it. Why? Stop people falling off. So God was just concerned about our neighbours and their safety as we are today. Now, a lot of those laws citizenship laws, laws for how to get on with your neighbour, laws for looking after your cattle, your beasts and everything like that, they were different from other countries. They showed a sense of care and love for the neighbour, even for your animals. They were protection. And culture and society and time showed the people how to live the ten given ones in the light of their circumstances. Have you got that? In the light of where you are living, you need to interpret what these ten look like. 
So if I say to you that you have to make sure when your friends and neighbours come to your place, legally, but also responsibly, you put a fence around your swimming pool, if you've got one. See how sane it is sometimes? That's that sense of care that's there. They're a holy nation. But you've got lots of laws too about how to live ceremonially, how to live religiously, what to eat, what to wear, where to, how to behave when you're in the house of the Lord, all of this kind of stuff. More about that later. But the main concern, the main concern of the law is in these words, justice, compassion, and worship. You got that? Listen to this. In Exodus 22, 21, 24, these words are written. You must not mistreat or oppress foreigners in any way. Remember you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan. If you exploit them in any way and they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will blaze against you and I will kill you with a sword. Then your wives will be widows and your children will be fathers. And you think, isn't that horrible? That's awful. But listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 25. Said it in a story form, but it says the same thing. We read this last week, but just the last part of it. The king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, cursed ones, into the eternal fire I have prepared for you, for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me a drink. I was naked. You didn't dress me. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me into your home. I was sick, in prison. You didn't visit me. Same compassion and justice. Same anger of God there. And you will reply, Lord, Lord, when did this happen? When did this happen? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these ones, you were refusing to help me. And you will then go away into eternal punishment and the righteous will go into eternal God. Some of the cursing and anger and judgment of God in the Old Testament is reiterated by Jesus Christ in the New. And we don't get that. We forget that. So this book... This Old Testament is quite different from what we expect. Let me just give you a quick look at how some of the people in the Old Testament loved the law. Psalm 119, there's 176 verses there, okay? 176 verses, and every verse celebrates the law. Some of them say it's a delight. Some of them say it's the love of their lives. Some of them say it's light. It's like a guide, a pathway. It's everything you could possibly want or need. And then you have a look at uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, and it gets it. It gets it that it's supposed to be about compassion, justice, mercy, and love. It says in that whole chapter, you think by just bringing sacrifices and offerings and celebrating festivals and special days that I'm pleased. Goodness knows. 
says God. What do I desire? What pleases me? Love of mercy, love of justice, love of God. Micah got the spirit of the Old Testament. The prophets got it. And many others did too. Right into the Ecclesiastes, you've got all this garbage there about meaningless following riches and wealth and learning and all of the pleasures of life. And that right at the end, just in one little verse, it says, at the end of the matter, the most important thing is just fear God, trust him. The writer of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you read Proverbs clearly and carefully and highlight every time it says something about the fear of God, you'll see it's about looking after the poor, looking after the widow, being just, being honest, loving, caring, mercy, justice, compassion. And it also says the fear of the Lord is hating what God hates. So it's all there, the celebration of the law. But we come to the new covenant, and yes, there is a new covenant. Are we pleased? Covenant definition again is two people agreeing to make some kind of commitment and having a list of what you do and what you don't do. And the new covenant is exactly the same definition. Our backstory is that Jesus Christ died, and we celebrate that every Easter. And the interesting thing is he died nearly 2,000 years ago, and it's still relevant today, and that takes a lot of faith, a lot of trust just like it did for the Old Testament people when they were thousands of years, hundreds of years, tens of years away from the event in Egypt. It was the most important saving act for them. And for us, we're a long way away from Calvary, but it's still the truth. And we know that we are rescued and saved and delivered from our sins because of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And by faith, we say, he did it a long time ago, but it's for me today. And that is the grace of God, and I enter into that covenant. And he says, I will be your God. I will be your saviour. And this is the sign, this is the sign of how you'll know, I'll give you my spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within. And therein is the main difference between the sign of the new covenant and the sign of the old covenant. The old covenant was, a, was signed, sealed, and delivered by an outward act of circumcision. I'm glad we don't have to do that today. And that's why you've got the teaching in Galatians Paul was really upset that they were saying, you've got to be circumcised. And Paul's saying, no, you've got the Holy Spirit. That's the sign of the new covenant. That's the one who lives inside you. Listen to some of these verses that we've got here. We have entered a new life, and we are now under the law of Christ. We're still under law, because law is good. Law is holy. Law is like a school teacher to show us right and wrong. So we are now under the law of Christ. Here's a verse from Galatians 5. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Another one in Galatians chapter 5. For you have been called to live a life of freedom. 
my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And guess what? I can't do that unless I've got the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. And that's why we have the Spirit of God to keep convincing us, to teach us, to guide us, all of those things. And it's an inside work of the Spirit of God so that the law of God is written on my heart and I've got all the help I need to live a life that pleases God. Then it says here in Galatians 6.2, the next verse I want to read, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Paul also says these words, Even though I am a free man with no master, totally free because of Jesus Christ, no earthly master, I have become a slave, a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews... I live like a Jew, to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. That is our Paul. Isn't that wonderful? So what was the problem with the teachers of the law? What was Jesus' problem with them? See, we forget that the Old Testament, got a new Bible, uh, the other one was falling apart. We've got the Old, see how much of the Old Testament we've got? Because by saying that the law is irrelevant, we don't even read most of what is called scripture. And this is the part that has been said that is able to make us wise unto salvation. This is the part that Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy and said, it's inspired by God. But what I'm saying is, that was thousands of years. Just from Abraham alone, you've got 2,000 years, plus before that. And so we've got all of that history put into a few pages. And so we read story after story and we think, didn't the Israelites ever get it right? Yes, they did. Generation here and a generation there and a people there and the individuals here and a little community there, they loved the Lord their God. And they practiced love of God and love of neighbor. And they believed in the promise. You only have to read Hebrews 11 to find out that these men and women of faith believed in their God. By faith, they believed that they were under grace and God would come and save them and deliver all of his promises. You've got beautiful writings of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, all of these men who saw God's heart, mercy, justice, grace. So yeah, there were pockets. But let me ask a question today. 
because we only live in a short period of time. From the time of Jesus till now is over 2,000 years. Has the church always behaved itself? No. At times it was very legalistic, wasn't it? It said, if you don't wear the right clothes to church, don't come. I remember just after I'd become a Christian, I was in Hobart studying and I had to get back on Sunday morning. It was a trip and a half in those days. <laughs> and I got there and I was a little bit late for church and I rushed in, so delighted to be with my family of God. And after the service, two of the elders came and asked me where my hat was. Legalism has been in the church as long as people have been in the church, the local church, okay? We tend to make it legal. If you do this, legalistic rules. But that's not the spirit of what Jesus is about. That's not the spirit of what the Old Testament is about. The spirit is about our God who loves. It's about justice. It's about mercy, compassion. And yes, it's about if you don't, then this will happen. So, yep, that all happened. And so Jesus was there when he was talking to those teachers of the law. He was angry at them because he made it so difficult for people to love the Lord their God without all the do, 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 do. They had lists and they had made it so bad that they, over time, had exaggerated the law and they policed it, okay? They policed how many dangles you had on your garments. They policed what you ate. They policed how you harvested, when you harvested. Even when Jesus walked through a paddock and picked a piece of grain to eat on the Sabbath, he got into trouble by these police lawmakers, the exaggerated ones. And we have exactly the same in countries like Afghanistan, Iran today, who police the laws, the religious laws. They reversed the process that was in there, in the Old Testament. They said, if, if, if you do this, then God will love you. That's what they said. If, if, if you do all of these things about the Sabbath, about what you eat, about how you live and who you talk to and who you... They had how far you could walk on a certain day. They had all of these legalistic things they policed. And they said, if you do all this, we will accept you. We will accept you and you can be in our gathering. They got it wrong. They had reversed it instead of saying, God loves you. Over and over again, God said to the Israelite people in the Old Testament, I didn't choose you because you were any better than anyone else. He said that to them. I chose you because I love. You're here because God loves you, not because you've done the right thing. The moral law of God hasn't changed. Ten Commandments, all except one, are reiterated by Jesus and Paul and other writers. Do you know which one isn't reiterated? The Sabbath. That will take a whole morning's teaching. But read Hebrews 4. And it's the one that causes a lot of conflict in the church today. But every one of the others are reiterated somewhere by Paul or Jesus. Why? Because it displays the character of God. God says, 
this is what's important to me. And this is who I am. This is what and how you're to live. And I know you can't live. I know you can't do this well. So I give you my spirit to live within you. So they teach us about our God and what he's like. Stands today, worship God alone. First John chapter five finishes with exactly the same thing, written in a different way. Keep away from idols. They teach us about the difference between God and people. We're made in God's image and he wants us to be like him. You look at the laws of many countries, of many people in the same day, and there were different laws for the rich and the poor. There were different laws for the kings and the slaves. But as far as God was concerned, a king and a priest, a farmer and the slave all had to obey the same law. They also teach us about grace of obedience, never legalism. So when we say today that we're under grace and not under law, it's true, except we are under the law of Christ and we willingly submit ourselves like Paul says, I give myself as an instrument to obey the law of Christ. And it also says a lot about the Old Testament is an Old Testament about grace. It's always been about grace. That popular little saying is out of context completely. God has always been a God of grace. He rescues, he delivers, he tells us how to live. The difference in the New Testament is he gives us the spirit to help us do it well. That's the great thing. So it's about how to live well with, God, my, with my God, with myself, and with others. And how about the ceremonial law and the religious laws? They're fulfilled in Jesus. That's why you need to read Hebrews over and over. Jesus became the high priest. What's a high priest? You'll find out about it in the Old Testament. Jesus became the sacrifice once and for all. How do I know about that? In the Old Testament, they had to do it daily, daily, daily for the priest, for the king, for the country, for the poor, everyone. Jesus became the sacrifice, the person's sacrifice. And you'll find all about that in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament gives us substance and understanding about what Jesus has done for us. Isn't that great? And it helps me understand more and more why and how God could possibly send Jesus Christ to die for us. Lastly, it's not about how we keep the law. It's about God himself living within us. Don't make it legal, legalistic. We are people who need to show mercy and love. And may God move among us and remind us we need to be a people who know and hear the Spirit of God. On Tuesday, I'm going to Turkey with a group of people, and we're going to visit seven churches that are written about in Revelation. Not one of them is standing today. They were vibrant churches, they were the powerful churches. They stopped listening to the Spirit of God. May we not be a people who stop listening to the Spirit of God. Amen.